Okay, today I'm in the Star Sports Mayfair office with Matt Gibson. Matt, you're a, a professional full-time trader and have been since 2015. Yep. And you're also the man behind the Hunting for Profit site, which we'll talk about later on. Um, so you, just tell us a bit about what it is you do. So basically I trade on Betfair. I use software on Betfair, um, trading in play, horse racing. Uh, so I always, I back, back and lay, or lay to back on the exchange, on the Betfair exchange. And I always hedge off for a profit to make a profit. Okay, so you don't have to be one of these fast finger clickers in the box on Corsa with a drone or anything like that? No, 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 not at all. I'm, I'm sat at home. I've got an, my own office at home. Um, basic computer, basic software. Um, and, I'm, and I'm just clicking away on a mouse, making money in play that, that way. Okay, right, so we'll talk about the nitty-gritty of it in a bit, but um, there you obviously you've mocked my card before we've done the interview, yeah. and um, you started match betting yeah. in 2007. That's a dirty word for uh, most of the bookmaking industry, but for those of us that don't know what is match bettors do, can you fill us in? Yeah, so back then I was, I didn't have a clue about trading or anything like that. I, I was a hopeless gambler. Um, mug punter, whatever you want to call it, and um, I got into match betting through a friend at the time. And back then, it was match betting was um, not as commonly known about as it is now. Um, it was all almost hush hush. Um, there was one or two websites knocking around that gave you a basic understanding of it. Um, the rest you had to work out yourself. Uh, but basically, what it is is you open up accounts with the bookies that offer free bets. You um, you place a bet on a sporting event and then you lay that, um, you lay on the bet for exchange and you essentially lock in a profit using the free bet. Um, so I'd done that on football mainly to start with um, because it was just easier way the odds were. And then I realized as I progressed with it, um, I moved on doing it on racing, so I'd do it on two or three races in the early part of the day, and that's how I started to look at the bet for exchange, and that's what sort of drew me in towards trading. But yeah, that that's essentially what match betting is. It's locking in a profit. Um, I do think that I was lucky in, in the sense that I caught the heydays of it, because it was really good back then. Um, the offers were better. Um, I, I think that a lot of bookmakers have tightened up on it since. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I, th I think so. Okay, now there's um, my little niece does, she's at university, and she does match betting okay. to try and get a few quid. Yeah. Um, so, and I've had a look into it because I wrote a blog about it. There's plenty of websites out there helping people that wish to dip their toe into match betting. Yep. And I'm sure that uh, Ben or any other bookmaker is not going to advocate it, but no. it's not illegal. <laughs> Would you advise people to have a go at it these days? Um, I don't know is the answer to that, because I don't know how good it is now. Um, I haven't looked at it for a long, long time. Um, but it, if it's feasible and you can make some profit from it, why not? You know, it, it gets people in, into betting or trading eventually. Um, it, it gets you looking at odds and understanding odds and how they work. So, yeah, why not? Um, it makes you a few quid. Well, it progressed you because you then started looking for, um, you started betting straight. Assuming you might have been better straight before, yeah. and following tipping services. Yeah. 
um, looking for the Holy Grail. Yeah. You know, did you find it? <laughs> not, not really, no. Um, not in terms of straight betting, no. Uh, I, I went round the houses with it, as a lot of people do, um, from my experience, from people I've met that ended up getting into trading. I, I um, subscribe to football services of people off Twitter, uh, and I'm talking about subscribing to like crazy when I think back now how naive I was but I'd like signed up to somebody I'd never heard of you know it wasn't I didn't even know who the person was behind the service um, football services I signed up to racing services I, I had a go at roulette complete muggy thing to do um, I remember one service I signed up to is like an automation service so basically this guy would send me files each day and I had to link them into the Betfair exchange and I would then it was straight back in and laying on horses I was down your way um, one summer took my family down to Devon and Cornwall for a holiday and I remember firing up that I thought well I'm gonna have to take my laptop away because I've got to do these every day so I'd fire up the laptop we go off to the beach for a day I'd come back and AP like we'd laid three horses that AP McCoy had won on so I'm like you know, several hundred quid down after after an expensive holiday in Cornwall that we paid for, and I'm like, bloody hell. But yeah, so I've, I've tried, I've, I've done, all, like a lot of people, I've tried all different types of uh, betting services, um, and no, they didn't work for me, and that's kind of what then drew me on to the betting exchange. Okay, now you said that you had some dark days. I mean, I assume that coming back from the beach and finding out you don't need cobblers was a dark day, but how dark did they get? <laughs> um. They got darker when I tried to conquer trading, and because I was so, so drawn into in running on horses, I I tried to trade all other sports. I've tried everything under the sun: football, cricket, <clears throat> tennis. I believe there's some good traders of them sports out there. Uh, but what what lured me to you know I've tried everything. I've tried politics, all sorts of stuff. But what led me to trade in horse racing was um, you can trade you can trade it. There's horse racing on practically every day of the year, and it's on at a good time in the UK and Ireland. So that that drew drew me towards it, and I was just fascinated how the odds could how the odds would move, and so I just studied horse racing markets, thousands and thousands of markets. We're talking over a, a few years. Um, and I was just drawn into it and, and I just kept going back to it and I had dark days trying to learn that bust a few banks you know thinking that I can jump on every front runner because it will come in 20 ticks that that isn't the case uh, the market's far more sophisticated than that um, so yeah it, it was it was tough to learn it was tough to understand the market for a start because I didn't have anybody although I've had help from people along the way in terms of mindset and how other people think, but the, the actual nitty gritty of the in-play market is all self-taught. I've, I've learnt it myself. So yeah, I, I've had some pretty ropey times, like I say, blown a few banks. Okay, and what was the, what would you say for the most important lessons you learnt during that time to try and stop anybody watching us falling into the same pitfall? Um, treat it like an apprenticeship. Treat it like a, a course, uh, a long, Along, it's, it's like you imagine if I said to you, if you'd never looked at a car engine before, <clears throat> and, I, and I threw you a handbook and said, um, Simon, 
read that book, come back to me. She come back to me, say, right, fix that engine. You, you might be able to do it a bit, but you, you won't be, you won't be a perfectionist at it. It would take, so it takes time. It, trading's a skill, <clears throat> really. So you have to. Um, it takes it takes time to learn it. You know, it's like like learning to drive a car. That's to start with. You know, you're thinking right, mirror signal maneuver. Once you've learnt to drive a car, a year, two years after, it just becomes second nature. So it's kind of the same thing. I think a lot of people. They, learn, they get lured into it because they think, oh, can make shed loads of money here. And they want it, a lot of people, the society is today, they, they, they want it now, straight away. And it doesn't work like that. You, you can't just pick up a handbook or go on a course and then all of a sudden you're a profitable trader. You have to tap into your own mindset and you have to find an edge that actually works. Um, so my advice to people is to watch as many races, as many markets as you can, um, and treat it as a as an apprenticeship. Like I say, it, it, it's going to take time. You're not going to. It's not going to happen overnight. Okay. Now you said you, you talked about the dark days, and but you've obviously then you decided to really, really study what you were doing to to understand it. So what what made you? What motivated you to get to the bottom of it rather than thinking this is a mugs game, this betting lark? Um. A lot. Of, I had a lot of stubbornness. Um, sort of, I just, I'm the type of person that I just never give up on something. That if I think there's there's something worth pursuing, and I did. Uh, I was I was adamant that, especially the in play markets, I was adamant there was something worth pursuing it. Um, so yeah, it, it, a lot of it's st a, a bit of stubbornness, uh, a bit of delusion, if you like. Um, but yeah, you you just gotta really wanna. You've you've gotta really wanna do it because when you're learning to do it, you're gonna have days where you you're gonna lose, you're gonna have days where you're gonna struggle uh, mentally as well as uh, with the actual physical edge side of things. Um, so you've gotta really really wanna crack it, and you've you've gotta understand your own mindset and the way you tick. Um, and all these components come together. It doesn't happen overnight. So you, you've, you've, like I say, you've just got to really wanna, wanna do it, um, and treat it like a journey. Don't look at the end goal of making money. Look at, focus on the now, the here and now. Okay. Now you went to the exchanges, obviously, but yeah. was that of a necessity because you, all your accounts have been buggered up by the match betting? <laughs> uh, quite a few, yeah. Um, it wasn't totally the case because as I was going along doing match betting, I could have carried it on for a bit longer, but I, I always wanted to sort of be self-sufficient. So I always, I was drawn into the exchanges because I wanted to be able to draw my own wage, if you like, and be self-sufficient through the exchanges. That's, that's kind of what drew me into it. And actual straight betting, um, I didn't think that would be an avenue that I'd go down really. It's, I've, I've, I take my hat off to anybody that makes money from straight betting. I really do. Okay, now you, it was eight years of doing that yeah. before you went full time, which obviously is a, a massive plunge for anybody. Yeah. Um, why did it take you eight years? Is... What, to, to go in full time? Yeah. Um, just because it, it took me a few years to actually 
getting to some sort of consistent profit because I was learning it myself. Uh, it was all self-taught. A lot of that time, that eight years though, the early days was just match betting. So I can't put a date on when I actually started to really trade, but I would say probably one to two years prior to going full-time, I, I took trading a lot more seriously um, and my focus was drilled into, right, I, I want to make... My, my ideal idea at the time was to go um, part-time at work and then trade part-time, but I was practically doing that anyway. So I was trading about two to three days a week. And yeah, so I kind of, I went from match betting, purely match betting and mug punting, and it kind of transitioned slowly over them eight years. So I wasn't just trading for them eight years before going full-time. So I'd say it was probably a couple of years before I went full-time really that I took it really seriously. Okay, and you said to me that you um, eventually found a way of working out a way of reading the market to make a profit. Now that is that an extremely simplified one sentence description or did, or was there a, blimey, this is it, what you found? Yeah, it's, it, you have a few light bulb moments. Um, it's just studying the market and understanding why um, odds come in and why they move out. And, and like I say, that was through watching thousands and thousands of markets. Um, but it was, there was, like I say, there's a few different light bulb moments along the way. So it wasn't one particular moment where I thought, bingo, I've done, I've cracked this. But it was, it was a gradual progression over a period of time. Um, come to sort of going towards when I actually went full time, I was making sort of some consistency there at that point. Okay, you, you, you say you're trading in running, but yeah. strictly speaking, you're anticipating what's going to happen in running without actually having to even be watch it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's your that's your um, that's your strategy. Is it national hunt and flat? Yeah, um, yeah, trade both national hunt and flat in the UK and Ireland. Um, I'll, I'll trade parts of the all weather, um, and yeah, just just UK and Ireland. Don't trade anywhere else. Okay, uh, Matt. Now I was interested t to uh, learn that you shared your info with a group of in-running traders. Now, why would you do that? I used to be in a group uh, with Steve Howell's um, Mugs game. Uh, he's a pre-race trader. Um, I, I stumbled across him on the internet. I used to be in his group for about three, four years. Um, I used to share my in-running information. Uh, sometimes it can help for people that trade pre-race as well, but predominantly I'm a in-running trader. I used to share that information with them uh, just to help people out really and um, yeah so they, they got it they used to use that information as well um, up, up in the group that I was in, in online so I suppose that basically you're a form student but you have to be very aware of how a horse acts when it's actually running to, yeah. to, to come up with your, your strategies so how time consuming how time consuming would that be I, I can spend between two and five hours, um, normally every morning, sometimes I do it um, the evening before, where I, I basically write my own watch list. Uh, and it's it's not, I don't use any special race card or anything like that. I, I use the normal race card you get, you can find online for free. Um, and I, I look for obvious things that couldn't affect the in-play markets, which could be ground, trip, um, Does that ho how does that horse jump, if it's the jumps, 
um, does that horse need to front run? Sometimes horses will sulk if they don't front run. Uh, sometimes they need to be held up and played really late because they don't find anything when they get in front. Um, so all these type of things, uh, weight comes into it, the ground. Um, so all these type of things I, I put down on my watch list and they're, they're kind of like pointers. That So if something materialises in a race in the market and the market uh, marries up to what the watch list is saying, then it's, it's kind of bingo. It's, they, there could be an opportunity here to put right. money in. So I, I was assuming you put all your trades in before the race, but so you, you're watching if a horse doesn't, misses the break and doesn't hit the front, then you might be thinking, right, this is a lay. Yeah, there's there's many. So you've got to watch it. You've got to be there. Yeah, um, I I'm not solely massively reliant on the video of the race because I know a lot of people think, well, it's, there's a delay in the video that that can't work. It, it can work. It's a it's a mixture of form and what's happening in the race so i do need the video of the race but i also rely on i not heavily rely on but it helps my confidence in a trade if i've got information of that race so to speak okay so what what trading tools do you use i i use basic grass software um to, to trade with on online through through the betfair um through the main betfair and site have, and have you been investing in uh, in drones and all those sort of things no no i i purely use betfair video it works for me um i don't use fast picks or drones or, or anything like that okay now we're going to talk a bit about you now you're a perfect i suppose you're a professional gambler is what we call you strictly yeah, yeah. strictly speaking um but you come from a, a church going non-betting family <laughs> so are you the black sheep yeah i am yeah yeah very much so um yeah my, my, my father's um a caretaker in the church my mother participates in church activities uh brother and sister as well that they're, they're all churchgoers so yeah I'm, I'm the black sheep um i left home when i was 17 and um yeah I've, I've followed a different path in life if you like yeah so what do they think about what you do um not overly keen but they accept it um yeah, we, we've had a few uh, choice words about it, but no, they're, they're fine about it now. It's, it's no problem anymore. Okay, now when you say you left home at 17, you didn't just leave home, did you? You went and joined the army. I did, yeah. yeah. Tell us a bit about your uh, army career. Yeah, I spent six years in the army, in the Royal Horse Artillery. Um, I went to Canada, Cyprus, Egypt, Germany. I was based in the UK. Um, what else did we do? I was in a uh, successful tug of war team. Um, we won army and combined service medals. Um, participated in the fire strikes um, during Op Fresco. We were on the Green Goddesses. We were based up in Wimslow near Manchester. Um, and done a couple of tours of the Balkans as well. Went to Bosnia and Kosovo. So what... Um what made you leave the army? I met my wife, girlfriend at the time, um, and also I had a nasty accident. I smashed my knee up on exercise in the turret of a tank, um, and I could have stayed in and carried on my rehab, uh, but it was kind of the clincher for me. I just decided, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Civvy Street a go. Okay, so what came next? I ended up as a car salesman, which I was not very good at. 
Um, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. And I saw this advertisement in the paper saying, you know, become a car salesman. And I remember going along and he, he was half interested in me. And I said, look, the army will pay me for two weeks work experience. So it's free for you. If I'm, if I'm rubbish, you know, we just, we just part ways. And so he took me on and I sold a car after about a week. And then I moved to another garage and I spent a couple of years doing it, but I, I'm not the typical hard salesman, if you like. I very, very chilled and relaxed type of guy. So I, I, it wasn't for me. It, I spent a couple of years doing it, but it wasn't for me in the end. So it, I kind of brought that to an end. Now I've I've been lucky enough to interview quite a few professional gamblers, traders, bookmakers. Very few of them progressed to that point by being a prison warden, mm. but you did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I missed, I missed the army. I missed the camaraderie. Um, so I decided to um, get into another uniform, I guess. Um, quite a few prison officers I worked with were ex-military as well. So I kind of fitted in. I felt kind of at home there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the early years. I'd done that. I'd done that for about ten years um, before moving on to trading. Uh, yeah, so I, I kind of missed I missed that camaraderie and the, between colleagues, and so I, I kind of got that back when I when I went working there. Yeah, so during the prison officer time, you were uh, doing your trading. So I assume you were doing shift work and stuff. So you had a chance to to work during the week. Yeah, I was I was lucky. I I got because I've got a, a son. I I managed to wangle a family friendly shift pattern, where basically I'd get every other. I'd get every other weekend off and I'd work every other weekend, I'd have every other weekend afternoon off. So I, I got all the racing, the good racing in at the weekend. And then I'd Thursdays and Fridays afternoons, I managed to wangle as well. So I'd, I'd trade probably to, and match bet back in the early days, three or four days a week. And then I'd, I'd do longer shifts on them other days. So that's kind of how I, I wangled it really. Okay, interesting. Does it make any difference if it's good or bad racing? Um, yes, it can do. Um, liquidity is one. Uh, it's not just good or bad racing. It's the time of the year as well. So, for example, on a Friday afternoon, the middle of summer, summer jumps at eight o'clock in the evening. You know, m most people are down the pub in the beer garden or in the in their garden having a barbecue or whatever. Uh, and this idiot sat in his pants, you know, clicking on a mouse, um, trying to make money on there. On Betfair, but um, so what you've got to understand is the liquidity is not as good in them, might not be as good in them times. Not to say there isn't an opportunity then, but it's just to be aware that the liquidity might not be as good. And if the class of race as well is a lot lower, sometimes like sellers and claimers, stuff like that, um, sometimes they're not as good to trade as better races. But on the flip side, if it's a really strong group race, a really competitive, uh, say, um, graded novice hurdle that they sometimes to my style of trading I'm talking about that they, they sometimes might not be as good as a slightly lower class of race okay and I'm assuming that you you probably have to specialize in the ones that got a lot more characteristics and more for, more form to try and anticipate what the how the race is going to pan out yeah I can trade spontaneously so I can trade um, some races where there isn't much form there isn't much to go off but if I have got some form, some information, then that can help. 
So like if, if a horse is badly handicapped, that can help my thought processes of what I'm going to do. Or if he's well handicapped or he's coming back to form or he looked like he was on his previous race um, and this is his ideal ground trip, um, et cetera, et cetera, then, then, then that can help my uh, thought process of putting money into the market. Okay, did your, did your earnings from trading sort of start to match your wages before you went full time? Not completely, but um, I was earning enough to go full time, you know. Um, I'm not a massively materialistic guy, so um, I live a quite a simple, simplistic life. So, yeah, enough to get by. Um, but obviously, that's built up yeah. since then over time. But you have got a family and a wife, so your wife must have been, she's sort of very supportive. Very much. Decided to go professional gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very much so. She's um, she's brilliant, to be fair. Um, she never asks me how much I'm earning. As long as she's got a glass of wine in her hand, she, <laughs> she's very happy. But um, no, she, she lets me get on with it and she understands to kind of just leave me to it. Um, I don't need the, the pressure of somebody else saying, oh, we need X amount of money tomorrow. It, it, it's, I'm just left to my own devices, basically, to deliver the goods. Okay, now... You traded for two years successfully, yeah. and you were sharing info with other traders. Yeah. Um, and then after two years, hunting for profit was born. Yeah. So what 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 spurred that, and what is hunting for profit? Basically, um, a few traders that I'd met online through Steve's group that I was in, uh, a few of them said to me, "Why don't you um, teach in play trading?" And I laughed at that because in previous employments, I'd, I'd never taught in my life, um, not with anything, you know. Um, so I went away and I had a look on the internet what there was about, and there wasn't a lot. You know, there was like services that offered um, these five horses today, back them and lay them off for 30 ticks or something, um, which is pretty useless information really. So I, I put my watch list out online to start with to see what the response was and I got the usual trolls and whatnot in the early days as you do um, and it's just kind of it, it's grown into something that I didn't expect I, I never expected to kind of run it originally it, it's weird how it's just sort of evolved um, I first at first I'd done it just purely online um, and then I realized after a while that some people got it but some people didn't so I thought okay if I carry this on I'm going to turn this into a proper course seminar where I'll do it in person or do it through a, for a Zoom um, and, and kind of educate that way. Uh, I'm kind of all or nothing guy. So, you know, if I'm going to help people, I need to do it professionally in the proper proper way or, or don't do it at all. Okay, now is it um, to supplement what you already earn to make you, you know, maximise your earning potential or is it more philanthropy you like to help you literally want to help people it's a combination of both if I'm honest it's, it is a second income stream just like when I was when I was a prison officer my my second income stream was match betting so it's kind of evolved that way so it's a second income stream for me without a doubt um, but yeah I, I do want to help people I enjoy helping people and, and I've helped change a few people's lives um, who are now profitable and making good money from it okay now you say that you um you hate talking money and profit and you yeah. need to keep a grip on your ego. Yeah. But 
I suppose to try and instill the confidence into people that they can make money you've got to be a little bit like that when you're doing your um, when you're doing your things the trouble with the focus on money I find and I find from helping mentor people um, yes showing people a profit and loss can motivate some people it can inspire some people but actually looking at it in a broader spectrum it it, it it can hinder you so if you're just totally focused on the result and not looking at how you actually get to making that profit then you're you're totally missing the point um, you know it's a bit like a professional sportsman um, thinking you know I've, I've got to win that that FA Cup but they're not thinking about the process of the actual football game they've got to go through to get there so yeah that's why I I'm driven on the focus, the process of getting there, not the actual goal. Okay, Matt, obviously I've had the benefit of you telling me stuff before we've done the interview, so what people uh, won't know is that you, you, you had a foray into to betting straight. Yeah. You started off with 150 points up with you know your notable horses or you know whatever, uh, and then you lost it back, so you binned it off. Now, just reading it made me think maybe you didn't give that enough time you might be right um when i first set up hunting for profit we looked back over about a three month period um doing the back data we realized that if you backed certain horses on, on the watch list we would have been in profit um so i ran it for about a year and a half the first year we went like I say we went well, well into the profit um, and then the last six months of it, we just kept going round in circles. Um, and at the end of that sort of last six months, I decided to knock it on the head. Um, I had one guy leave because of it. Um, everybody else just wanted to learn a trade, basically. Um, there was a handful that were back, straight back in them with, with a bookmaker. Um, but yeah, may, maybe I did knock it on the head too soon. There, there was definitely something there um, that I noticed. Uh, and. What got us in profit is was mainly the bigger odd, odds horses. Um, the lower odds horses kind of kept it ticking along, but the bigger there was a few bigger odds horses, then that was, that's what shot us into profit. And that's your swings. Yeah, you know, a lot of losing runs with the big prices. Okay, so you told you also told me you're you're an advocate, a big advocate of the psychology behind betting and trading. Can you elaborate on what you mean? Yeah, massive advocate of it. Um, in my opinion if, if you if you don't have the correct mindset for for trading then you're not going to make money the basically the mindset you bring into trading will not make you money uh, I think a lot of people don't realize I certainly didn't realize that a lot of people don't realize that when they first get into it it's a bit like you know when you, you joined the army um, they, they change your brain from a civvy to a, thinking like a soldier uh, it's like that you have to kind of rewire your own brain um, and as it's all right me sitting here and saying you need patience you need discipline of course you need that in abundance but it's understanding your own mindset so we're all different we're all brought up slightly different um but as children we're taught by our parents don't put your ha hand on the hot stove because it's dangerous don't put your fingers in the fire cross the road when the green man comes on so we're taught to watch out for danger so when somebody goes to put money into a market they think I could lose that so they think danger so it's kind of working your way around that mindset 
and also your mindset. It's not just your mindset from his his from history. It's also your mindset towards money as well. And a lot of people are driven towards greed. And like I say, it's that same going back to that focus on money all the time. Um, for example, when I was a when I first joined the army, um, I joined the regiment. The lad said to me, "You need to get a credit card." And I said, "Why?" I said, "Because we're going to Canada." and you're gonna run out of wages. So I went and got a credit card and we went to Canada and we drank loads of beer and um, spent all my wages and I filled up my credit card. So I came back to England, I was in debt and then I went and bought a car on tick and then I got another loan and I got another credit card. So I learned in my early adult life how to blow money up the wall. So I then got into trading and I couldn't understand why I was throwing money away into the market. And it's because my whole attitude towards money absolutely stunk. I didn't respect the money. So you have to learn to respect every penny. So I'd strongly believe if your personal finances are good, then probably your uh, betting finances will be good. And if they're not good, that's something you need to work on. Everybody has a strength and a weakness, and that was a big weakness of mine. So working on the mental side aspect of it and understanding how you you think in the market, uh, looking in the mirror and talking to yourself and saying, look, this is my weakness. This is what I need to work on. I'm, I'm a massive advocate of this. It's massively important. Okay, and the trading jigsaw, tell us about that. So what I mean by that is is basically you need, the two major parts of the trading, I call it the trading jigsaw, is you need an edge. If you haven't got, if, if you don't understand to, how to read the market, then you're going to be a rabbit in headlights. You're not going to understand what's going on. Why are the odds are moving here or there? You need an edge within that market. So when that edge comes along to hit the market and with confidence, because you understand how to read the market. So that's one part of the jigsaw. The other part of the jigsaw, major part of the jigsaw is your mindset, how you're, how you're thinking, um, being able to control your emotions without getting too deep into it. Um, but, Controlling your emotions is massive, massively important, especially for an in-running trader because it's fast and it's quick. For example, two, a few years ago when um, Richard Johnson uh, won on Native River at Cheltenham Gold Cup, I was saying all season, I think this horse is a good thing for the Gold Cup. And obviously I'm not, I'm not always right, but on this particular day I was and I'd had a bet earlier in the season and um, about two, three fences out, I'm, I've, I'm in a trade. I'm sat at home, I'm in a trade and um, my emotions started getting the better of me because I've started to punch the air because I'm going, come on, Dickie. And uh, I cut the trade off because I knew my emotions were getting involved in the, in the race. Normally, my emotions don't get involved in the race. I'm totally in check of how I'm feeling in, in that moment. And this is why I don't focus on winning and losing. Like, for example, if I, if, if I take a loss, I park that and I move on to the next thing that what people need to understand is you need to be able to control what you can control. So if, a, if I back a horse and the jockey falls off or the horse falls, I can't control that. I can't put my hand into the TV screen and pop him back on the horse. Um, that's gone. I can't control that. Um, I can't control a delay in the racing because they've doled off the fences or the hurdles. Um, I can't, or, you know, there's a, the races have been abandoned or whatever. I can't control any of that. But what I can control is me and how I'm thinking and 
regulating my emotions, staying calm in the moment, um, and just controlling, finding a value entry, um, and, and executing as best best I possibly can in that trade. Okay, you you mentioned that um, you think too many people are looking for a get rich quick scheme, yeah, and are not prepared to go through the heartache. Well, I suppose most people probably would rather not go through the heartache. Yeah. I mean, can to a certain extent that heartache be can you teach the avoidance of that heartache or or is that something that you you've just got to you, you you do you do have to go through a lot of it yourself um but i like to think that the advice that i've given to people it kind of gives them a fast track i say a fast track in loose words because you still have to it's like like i said it's a skill trading so you have to um learn to you have to go through lots and lots of markets yourself. Um, I have helped some people get it, do get it straight away, but they, the people that have got it straight away are people that have learnt to make money trading other sports. So they've already got that mindset. So if you come into it brand new, you don't have a clue about racing um, and you, you've never traded before, it's going to take you, it's, it's likely to take you a lot longer to crack it, could take you months to crack it, um, than somebody that's knowledgeable about racing but understands how to take that knowledge and put it into the market. Um, so yeah, I'd like to think that my help and advice does speed things up, up quickly for people. Um, they they kind of get a fast track that I never got, but you still have to go through, you still have to learn to lose well, understand it. And that's a big thing. A lot of people think, that they're focused, channeled on winning all the time. But as a trader and as a straight better, you're gonna you're gonna have losing runs. You're gonna lose. Every every in running trader on this planet lose, has a losing trade. And if they say they don't, they're they're lying. Um, every one of us has a losing trade at some point. So it's how to control that loss and and take a nice controlled loss and not take a ridiculously silly loss. So once you understand that and you get a grip of that and your mindset, then yeah, then you're looking towards being profitable, but it does take time. Okay, we're about going into like an advertorial sort of thing. Um, you, your courses are run face-to-face -face as like a seminar type thing. Yeah. Um, so briefly, what can somebody expect if they were to attend one? Basically, the, I, I do run them on Zoom as well, but um, where you can go for it yourself, and then I do a one-to-one -one session, but I also run them at hotels. Um, it's just a, it's a day set. It's a nice, relaxed atmosphere um, in a hotel conference room. Uh, it's basically split up into three major parts. I talk a lot about the mindset, um, kind of build the foundations, not building a house on quicksand, build the correct foundations, um, talk about a lot of the things that can trip you up when you're learning, a lot of the smoke screens out there. Um, and then I go through the nitty gritty of the basics of racing that you need to know to trade in running. And then I talk through how to read the market. So you're, not, you're no longer a rabbit in headlights. You understand how to read the market. And then I go through a series of important videos, um, basically explaining entries and exits. So at the end of the day, you understand how to read the market. Okay, and um, do you tell them everything or have you kept yourself a little edge? <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, I, I, I give everything absolutely everything I know how difficult it is to crack it so um, no they get absolutely everything from me 
um, and they get one-to-one -one help if they need online afterwards. Um, I, I run the group online as a, like an aftercare thing. Uh, I'm in there daily. I, I publish my watch list to them every single day. Um, so they don't have to do the hard work then. You can just, no. just know what. Um, yeah. And some of them do. Some of them do watch some racing back. I think it's a, a good thing to do to watch some racing back and just oh, I realise that horse jumps left. We're going, he's going right-handed today. That's not going to be good for him. Just watch the racing back. If he's fitted with some headgear, that might alter it. Stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do all the I do all the legwork for them. Write the watch lists. So a lot of them, some of them do their due diligence, like I say. But some of them just rock up, trade, and then go. So, so yeah. does this does this just go on forever? The the backup, or is it like a? Yeah, as long as they want to stay. Um, as long as people want to stay in a group that is there, um, I enjoy it because it's a very, it's a quite a lonely existence really being a trader. You, you know, I've got used to it now, but uh, you know, I'm I'm at home all the time. I'm sat in my office on my own, so it's it's nice to talk to other people. Um, it's nice to explain. I got into that trade because the horse done X, Y, and Z, and I got out at this point. I got in at this this place. It was a value entry, blah blah blah, and just talk through what I've done and try and educate people and help them really. And that, how do you extract yourself from all this? You just have two weeks off where you say I'm off for two weeks. I'm on, or don't you? I'm a workaholic, but but um, I just switch off from when, once I'm I'm done for the day. That's it. Um, I hardly talk to it talk about it to my wife I treat it like a job so you know any other job you do the last thing you want to talk about when you get home is the job you've just been at so I kind of switch off to it um, purely like that if I want to have a break and go away I'll have a break and go away um, my mates that aren't that don't have, they don't have a clue they don't understand what I do still don't understand what I do even though I've told them uh, again when I've talked to them about it it's I'd I switch off from it, you know. It, it's they might say, "Oh, Matt, can can you racing's on today? Let's have a few bets." No problem. But I try and switch off from it as as much as I can. And how many of your graduates have gone on to be full time traders? I'm not sure, if I'm honest. Um, in the group we've got online, there's about sixty five, seventy in there at the minute. Um, about 30% of them have been with me from day one. So they've been with us for nearly five years. Um, a lot of them are just, they're just quiet in the background. Um, hardly speak to me. They, they get the watch list. They know what they're doing. So they just crack on. Um, the ones that are vocal, there's a handful that have, I say they've gone on to do full time. Some of them have got other work that they do. So they might have a job on the side. So they trade so they've got another income stream if you like so they trade part-time as well but yeah I couldn't give you an exact number but there's there's a few of them okay so finally have you got um sort of an exit plan I mean is, is your future in sort of more, more running more courses or carrying on trading until you're knocking on a bit or have you got other plans what's the future hold I honestly don't know Simon I I um I just take each day as it comes um 
I enjoy running the courses, but what I've struggled with is finding the right people to do them. I, I try not to take anybody on. Um, I don't mind if if they haven't got a racing background or trading background. It's more their attitude towards learning. If they just want to rock up and make money from day one, forget it. You know, don't even contact me. That's kind of my attitude. And if you go and look on my website, there's a video on there that basically says this isn't a get rich quick scheme. You know, if you've got a gambling problem go and get help, don't come and see me. Um, so yeah, and I look for the right people. If there's people that are dedicated and they want to learn from me, then then, then I'll run them um, for as long as, as as long as I can find them people. But if, if they run out, then they run out, and uh, that's it really. Okay, so the Hunting for Profits website? Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, Matt Gibson, thank you very much. No problem, thank you. New betting people interviews are published every week at Star Sports. Exclusive interviews with the key people from the world of sports betting. Check out our full library of interviews at starsportsbet.co.uk. Begambleaware.org. Over 18 only.